our hormones are fine up until we become obese and the excess fat eventually starts to alter the way our hormones function. The bottom line is, folks, is that it is self-induced. Welcome to the Health Quest Podcast, your guide to God's will for your good health. Hello, my name is Dr. Sal, and I've been a practicing doctor and surgeon for well over 30 years. And my goal for each episode is that you'll be able to have your mind transformed to God's design so that you can improve your health and hopefully affect the way that you eat and the way that you live. If you're new here, we release a new episode every week. And if you enjoy the content, would you leave us a review, especially a good one? It really helps our ratings and allows us to reach more people and in turn, hopefully we can help them. I'd like to thank you for your support. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to reverse type 2 diabetes. So let's dive right in on today's health quest. So let's talk about type 2 diabetes. Well, if we go back 400 years before Christ or BC, during the time of Hippocrates, the so-called father of modern medicine, although that could be debated because it was probably the Egyptians that had more of this information that Hippocrates learned off of. But let's say 400 years before Christ, diabetes was practically unheard of. The only type of diabetes they had back then was type 1. And if a child developed type 1 diabetes, well, they were pretty much... They pretty much died within a few months after they contracted it. During World War II, diabetes was also unheard of. Well, it was obvious because people didn't have as much food as we have today. And sometimes they would have to go a couple days without food because they just didn't have access to it. So we now know that type 2 diabetes is more of a modern disease. It's something that's really happening more today. And its prevalence has skyrocketed since the 1980s. So now how do we explain this? Now, we talked about genetics and hormones in previous podcasts, and we know for a fact that it's not your genetics and it's not hormones, okay? Uh, we talked about obesity not being genetic or hereditary because of the fact that we discussed that of all the research that I've done, only 5% of the world's populations obesity is really actually attributed to genetics and it's not hormonal either because of the fact that our hormones are fine up until we become obese and the excess fat eventually starts to alter the way our hormones function the bottom line is folks is that it is self-induced eventually we kill our own pancreas let me repeat that we kill our own pancreas we do it to ourselves in previous podcasts, we talked about insulin resistance, and that's where insulin begins to not work as well to open up the channels to get the sugars out of the blood or the blood glucose out of the bloodstream and into the muscles and into the liver. So, and that's part of the early history of type 2 diabetes, where um, you go in and you could take the oral glucose tolerance tests and 
Usually 100 milligrams per deciliter is considered normal. It could go up to 140 and it could still call it normal. But you may be going into early uh, stages of type 2 diabetes, which is known as insulin resistance. How does this all happen? Well, it occurs as a result of excess fat depositing in the muscle cells and in the liver, and that's called lipotoxicity. In other words, ectopic fat or fat that doesn't belong in certain areas like the muscle and liver eventually start to affect the way the receptors work on these cells. Eventually, that starts to affect the pancreas too as well. Now, this happens by two routes. Number one, if you're overweight or you're obese, you get the fat that spills out of the fat cells and starts to get stored in the non-fat tissue, such as your liver and into your muscle cells. Eventually, when it gets really bad, it starts to store in the pancreas and starts destroying the so-called beta cells that produce the insulin. The second route is excess sugar or high fructose corn syrup, which we get in our foods and our drinks. And this excess sugar or the high fructose corn syrup, as you know, we talked about this on our previous podcast, high fructose corn syrup gets converted by the liver into fat that then gets stored into muscle cells and into the liver. At this point, your blood sugar starts to go up and the pancreas, especially the beta cells that produce the insulin, starts to make more insulin because it's trying to get that uh, blood sugar level down to at least 100. Remember, the oral glucose tolerance test could be normal, but that's as a result of the fact that your beta cells are compensating by putting up more insulin to try to get that blood glucose level down to a normal level. And this is as a result of, you know, meeting the needs to regulate that extra uh, blood sugar. So how do we manage type 2 diabetes? Well, this is my approach to it. Number one, we start off with chelation therapy. And we're going to be talking about chelation therapy in another episode. But chelation therapy basically helps to eliminate the heavy metals in the body because it starts to uh, offset our natural metabolism. The second thing is detoxification, in which we talked about detoxing the body in previous uh, podcasts. The other thing is, is intermittent fasting, in which um, it, it's more of the new thing that's out, but it's really something that's been practiced for literally centuries, if not thousands of years. People would have dinner at night, and they wouldn't eat until the next day, sometimes um, around lunchtime. Or they would have a late breakfast, breaking the fast after about 12 to 14 hours. This intermittent fasting should also be worked in with at least a 24-hour fast at least once a month. What this does is what fasting does is it allows our body to start eating itself. Now, that sounds kind of grotesque or maybe something that's not appealing, but what it is is that as you're looking at me on the screen, my body has dead cells or senescent cells that become optotic. Senescent meaning it just becomes old, the cell becomes dysfunctional. As a result of that, you've got proteins, fats, and carbohydrates that are making up that cell, mostly fats and proteins. And now, because it's not functional, it's acting as a foreign body 
and stimulating the immune system, causing inflammation. So now what ends up happening is, is the other cells that now want to have some kind of food source will start to eat up or utilize the proteins and the fats from that cell that just broke up. And now you have these particles of fat and protein in the tissue that our normal cells will then use. So now you're eliminating dead cells, reducing inflammation. And it's been shown that low calorie diets um, over the years have shown to increase longevity. So intermittent fasting or even a 24 hour fast once a month will help to alleviate a lot of dead cells, which then reduces um, the inflammation. Stay away from junk foods, okay? No fast foods, no processed foods. Why? Because they contain a lot of trans fats. We talked about this in one of the previous podcasts with Dr. Fred Kumaral back in the 1950s published information as we were, the medical, or the medical and scientific society at that time was starting to investigate heart disease. And they thought it was due to the fats from animal fats, such as milk or meat uh, or the cholesterol and eggs. Well, that wasn't the case. It was because the food industry was now using hydrogenated oils for sustainability of food so it has a longer shelf life. But in the meantime, hydrogenated oils and fats become trans fats and that we consume. And then these trans fats eventually cause a cascade of events that causes oxidation of the low-density lipoproteins, which eventually stiffen the arteries, increase blood pressure, and eventually uh, causes an alteration of the cell membranes, which eventually results in atherosclerosis. So stay away from the junk foods, stay away from processed foods, stay away from anything that's hydrogenated, eat things that are more whole foods, more natural. Uh, as far as your nut butters, for instance, stay away from the peanut butter for a couple of reasons. Number one, peanuts are genetically modified. And number two, if you take a look on the label, it'll tell you that it, there's hydrogenated oils in it. Go with something more like almond butter or some of the other nut butters that uses their natural oils. Moving forward, we recommend no wheat products. That's right. We keep going over wheat. Dr. William Davis wrote his book, Wheat Belly. He's a cardiologist. The first thing he does with his patients when he first sees them is he gets them off of wheat for six weeks, and more than likely, they don't have to take any medications for any of their heart diseases that they have. That means no bread, bagels, donuts, cookies, cakes, cupcakes, pizza, pasta, 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 especially if you're Italian, you know, the excuse, well, I'm Italian, I got to eat pasta. You don't have to eat pasta. I'm Italian and I only have it once a week. And that's only on my cheat day because that's on a Sunday. And of course, I got to cheat on the Lord's day. <laughs> Stay away from that stuff. You don't need it. There's a lot of vegetables, a lot of nuts, a lot of things that you can enjoy in life that actually makes you feel better, keeps you healthy, keeps your mind sharp, and keeps you moving. That stuff you could only do after you get to a desired weight that you should be at and very limited amounts. As far as things to drink, well, stay away from any drinks that contain any sugar or high fructose corn syrup. That includes, ladies and gentlemen, fruit juices as well. 
Don't think that a fruit juice is healthy for you. It's a concentrated juice with concentrated sugars. And more so than that, what's really not a good thing to do, but the food industry also adds added sugars in the form of fructose. And that's that high corn syrup fructose, which eventually, as I said, turns into fat and gets stored in the wrong places. And also stay away from the diet soft drinks. And people say, well, yeah, but there's no sugar and there's no calories. Yes, but they have preservatives. And these preservatives are high in salts like potassium um, sorbate and uh, sodium sorbate, which are the preservatives, which then stimulates your thirst. And then you go back and you start drinking more. And of course, all the additive uh, colors as well as the, uh, the flavors are detrimental to your health too as well. So water is the best thing to drink. Carbonated water. Now, there's some disagreement saying carbonated water is high in phosphorus. It's not. The carbonation can sometimes be a little bit acidic, and I understand that. But, you know, what ends up happening when you drink it? Well, you end up burping a little bit, and that kind of helps relieve it. So your San Pellegrinos, your Perrier, squeeze a little bit of lemon or lime. And if you want to sweeten it, just add a little stevia to it. I mean, you can make your own uh, lemonade and limeade by just um, taking some mineral water, ice cold mineral water, squeezing a little lemon or lime. Actually, even throw the whole uh, lemon peel because the lemon peel contains limonene in it, which is also cancer protective. And you can throw a little stevia just to sweeten it. So that, those are some of the things that we can avoid and some of the things that we can add that we can actually start modifying our ways, like Jesus said, I love you, I just hate your ways, that can start reversing this disorder that we're seeing a prevalence of in today's modern world. Proteins, we always talk about fish, our meats and birds. When it comes to fish, anything, folks, from your, your lobster, your crab, octopus, um, I know for some people they don't like that, but a lot of the Mediterraneans like eating that stuff. Uh, your white fishes, uh, stay away from your bottom feeders such as your tilapias, but go with your, your halibuts, your sea basses, uh, bronzino, but try to get the wild caught fish, including the salmon. A lot of people are eating a lot of salmon for the omega-3 fatty acids, but you got to be careful uh, not to get the farm raised because they say, well, they're handled gently and responsibly. And I, and I question the I question the service at the restaurant. What does that mean? Because they're still feeding them grains and fish don't eat grains. Uh, they eat plankton. And that's what gets converted into those nutrients that makes the fish so good to eat. Same thing with your meats. There's nothing wrong with eating red meat as long as it's grass fed. Grain fed alters the fat in the meat, giving you a higher level of omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. And that's what makes it bad for you. The other thing, this is the uh, growth hormone which is a synthetic form of growth hormone that is showing um, carcinogenic effects. Your birds, when I say birds, I'm not just talking about chickens, I'm talking about turkey. And of course, uh, this is after the Thanksgiving holiday, and I'm sure a lot of you were eating turkey, but quail, duck, I love duck. Any of these birds are excellent sources of proteins. And if we move on into the fats, well, folks, butter and egg yolks are fine to eat as well as heavy cream. Um, as long as you're eating the whole egg, 
got to remember methionine is one of the amino acids in the egg yolk and without it you're losing the whole bioavailability of the uh, proteins that come from eggs heavy cream i use in my in my coffee and there's nothing wrong with heavy cream it doesn't contain any lactose it's just pure fat not a problem as long as you're not consuming way too much but let's talk about some of the other healthy fats your evening primrose oil pumpkin seed oil flaxseed oil sunflower oil coconut oil now when it comes to cooking don't use the extra olive, uh, extra virgin olive oil you're better off using just virgin or normal olive oil you can cook at a little higher temperature but you using avocado oil is a great oil to cook with at higher temperatures so it doesn't smoke or it doesn't burn once that happens and it starts to smoke you've turned it into a trans fat it's actually detrimental to your to your health some flour uh, flaxseed oil pumpkin seed oil and evening primrose oil these are good to help restore cellular membranes because these contain the linoleic acid the alpha linolenic acid as well as the gamma linolenic acid and don't forget your nuts your walnuts your hazelnuts your Brazil nuts, macadamia nuts. Um, all of these are all your almonds. Stay away again from peanuts. They are not nuts. Those are legumes, okay? And those are high in lectins. When it comes to carbohydrates, we're talking about high fibrous carbohydrates, which comes from your vegetables, uh, your berries, which are low glycemic index, sweet potatoes, you're better off with a sweet potato because it's 50% fibrous. It slows down the absorption of any of the carbs that, it may, uh, that it's made up of and it actually is good for your overall digestive system. Oatmeal, get the organic oatmeal because it, uh, a few years ago they showed that oatmeal had high levels of fungicides in it. If you're going to consume beans, okay, which have good carbs in it, don't forget that if you're going to take it, get the dry beans and let it soak for 24 hours. If you see it sprout, that's fine, but let it soak for 24 hours. And then when you cook it to make a soup, for instance, that'll help alleviate a lot of the lectins, reducing the, um, the allergic response that goes along with the, with, the, with the lectins from the beans itself. I also recommend taking supplements such as your antioxidants. Of course, we're talking about your vitamin C's, your vitamin D's, your vitamin A's and D's. Remember, vitamin A and D, they are hormones, but they're beneficial. And people, especially doctors, will tell you that, you know, taking them in high dosages, you can become toxic. Listen, I've taken up to 100,000 international units of vitamin A and vitamin D when I get sick. That's one of the best ways, especially with viral infections. Uh, back in the 30s and 40s, they used 100,000 international units of vitamin D to treat psoriatic arthritis. And the only side effect was that was a little bit of elevated uh, calcium in, in the body in which they gave vitamin K for too as well. Chromium picolinate. Chromium is a mineral which helps improve the sensitivity of the receptors on the cells, which will make them work more efficiently and helps to open them up and reduce the blood glucose levels in the blood. If you're going to take any kind of calcium, take it with a magnesium supplement. Uh, we'll talk about calcium too, in the sense that taking too much calcium doesn't really build your bones unless you're taking other minerals with it. 
One of the other amino acids that you could take, even on its own, is called leucine. L-leucine is amino acid that helps the beta cells produce and stimulate insulin production. And this is good for the late stages of type 2 or the overt type 2 diabetes. What happens in an overt type 2 diabetes is the beta cells uh, have become so full of fat as a result of lipotoxicity that they start to break down and start to become dysfunctional. As a result, their, their mass actually starts to shrink down, they atrophy, and now they become dysfunctional. As a result of that, they're not producing enough insulin anymore. So if you get into the severe stages of type 2 diabetes, you almost become like a type 1 diabetic where you've killed your, your beta cells in the pancreas. You destroyed your pancreas at that point. And now doctors have to start giving you literally insulin like a type 1 diabetic. So leucine helps to get those beta cells stimulating the insulin again and helps to get, uh, get it going. The peptide that I recommend is the GLP-1 or the glucagon-like peptide. This is the one, but it's not the Ozembek one, okay? Ozembek uses GLP-1. However, it's been molecularly modified for the purpose of being sold as a pharmaceutical drug, okay? And that's the only way you can get the FDA to approve it, that you have to get a, a patent, and you can't get a patent on the... Um, in a natural form. So the best thing is, is that you could order this or get it through an alternative physician that uh, can put you on a program and can get the natural GLP-1. Um, or you could purchase it over the internet, but I still recommend a physician guiding you in doing this as opposed to just doing it on your own. Um, high dosage amino acid therapy. There are certain amino acids that you could take like 5-hydroxytryptophan and L-tyrosine. And it's usually a three to one ratio. So if you're three, taking 300 milligrams of tyrosine, um, actually you should take about 3,000 milligrams of tyrosine with 300 uh, milligrams of the 5-hydroxytryptophan. Actually, it's a one to 10 ratio. Uh, so those in and of itself with L-cysteine, and you just need a little bit of that with vitamin B6, what that will do is it'll start to stimulate the neurotransmitters to reduce the appetite so that you're not always feeling as hungry, or it reduces your cravings for carbohydrates. These are some of the things that you can do to reverse the type 2 diabetes or the insulin resistance. Folks, these, overall, this is a great diet and great supplements to take for everyone so as to not only prevent it, but also to maintain good health. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to thank you for joining us today and watching our show. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to leave us a good review and visit our website and social media accounts to connect with us a little bit more. If you happen to have any questions in regards to your health regarding this episode, um, my email will be in the description below and I'll be happy to answer any of your questions. And if you'd like to see any of the sources that we used in regards to the research for this episode, it'll be available to you in the show notes and in the description. Until next time, I'm Dr. Sal. Have a great day and God's blessings to you and to your family.